All my life I've tried to be the good guy, the guy in the white fucking hat. And for what? For nothing. I'm not becoming like them, I am them. A wise guy's always right, even when he's wrong, he's right. Is anybody right here? Forget about it. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello! And welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the uh, deepest and darkest of the nines and and TV shows and whatever (laughs) and stuff. I don't have anything good there. Anyways, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, everybody. And Hugh Crawford. Hey, what's good? Well, yeah, things are all right. We'll talk about whether this episode is good or not. Uh, We're talking about an episode called Honor Among Thieves. Yep, this is episode 15 of season 6. It originally aired on February 25th, 1998. And here is the brief IMDb description. Chief O'Brien goes undercover to infiltrate an Orion crime ring. I hated this episode. Oh my god. Really? I really, I, oh oh my, my god. This is, this is the worst. Oh god, y'all are so wrong again. No, god no, damn it. no. I have Knives never out, been son. wrong. I've never nope. felt more confident about shitting on an episode than this one. I'll tell you why. I, I, I tell you why. My, my primary reason that this is that this is a bad episode is this is some Donnie Brasco shit that nobody nobody mm-hmm. asked for. Here we have Star Trek honking on another thing. And it doesn't work for me on any level. Disagree. Again, I was about to say, God damn it. I hate fucking doing it. Like, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a bitch. This is the best uh, of the noir episodes so far for me. Really? Of all the times they've done noir, this is the best one. Wait, wait, wait. They did noir with the second. It's a pretty low bar. The third Peter Allen Fields episode. The necessary evil or what the fuck ever the one where Kira yeah, got that, long that hair. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. This is this is like throwing aside. We're doing Shadowrun cyberpunk shit. We're doing. We're not even bothering to make it DS Nine, which is, which that is a fair complaint that people wanted to make. I would accept if, that. That. But, but here's the thing: if you're going to show this world, here's the biggest disappointment: is that we've known about the Orion Syndicate for a few seasons now, and. <laughs> Where our imagination is always set off. Ooh, what was that like? What is that like? Well, we find out in this episode, it's just as boring as every other mob <laughs> organization. There's the, nothing they interesting. Lower tier There's... than Ben Gazzara in Roadhouse. That's yes. how, like, like low tier. This yes. is just like one like, aspect this of is, the, the Orion Syndicate. No, no, every aspect of Orion. Hey, these it's guys work t- for me, and I work for somebody. And that's how it works. That's, and that's like every I witness mom. for you. Yes, it is wait, every. That's yes. the point. <laughs> the, yes. What's the fucking problem with having a fucking mob show if you're doing a fucking noir show? There's if no you're problem. setting it in space, you can add fuck. elements. It's you can add. Here. You can. You can. If it's set in space, you you have license to add interesting elements to it that those other genres aren't bound to. That's my problem. I'm legitimately that shocked that you liked this episode. I like this episode so much, and I'm so fucking pissed off. 
they added right. they added nothing so they added like this episode. they <laughs> added they almost like they almost like stripped away star trek to make it more boring they could have added that's what like what i said that's a complaint i will go with you on if you're mad that it's not enough star can trek. i can i be mad that the third the third act falls apart and they don't even try to make a story at the end i disagree i oh man you're so fucking wrong the what? story, the, ca- I, uh, the nothing work. came of it. Nothing. What are you talking about? O'Brien gets a cat. O'Brien makes this decision to tell Starfleet to go fuck off and then try to like at great personal risk to himself to put this guy like and let him know it and zero happens. The guy he goes, oh well, thanks. Not much I can do about it now. Alrighty, and that was the literally the end of the fucking episode. God, fuck you, man. <laughs> no, he made it. He made a like choice. This? How do you like the, this? Because the guy, because it's good character work. That's why I like it. Mm, it's character work. <laughs> I'll give you that. The guy makes a choice. It's it's a little bit. I mean, I, I was like, I wanted to joke around for some Brokeback Mountain undertones going with it. There's just like it's an it's an episode where they're dealing with you know male friendships and stuff, and what makes O'Brien O'Brien and O'Brien having seeing you know uh, this guy that is a lot like him but has is from different circumstances and the guy how much the guy cares like O'Brien cares about his family and is willing to have this honor and then like and then stands by him even when he's like the right thing to do is to kill him he's like you know what you know Wait, like, if I you like turn- all of those elements have I got something for you it's called crime novels I think yeah. if you just got into crime novels, you would just love it if you ate this stuff up. Sure, that's my whole point. It's a fucking noir. That's the, my point, is that somebody who likes Star Trek to watch this, and this is their favorite Star Trek episode, and what they don't realize about themselves is they don't like Star Trek, they like crime, and this was like their introductory... I never said this was my favorite episode. I'm just saying this is a good I'm just one. saying that my fictional... This is my fictional person watching this. Like, this is who this episode is for. Somebody who, does, who likes Star Trek and doesn't know that there's another... An another genre out there that exists that they have yet to explore or it's like, a person uh, that likes star trek but also likes it when it tries to experiment and do other different things there, it doesn't do any of those it things doesn't there's do no experimentation it's wearing noir clothes it doesn't add anything it's doing noir in a star trek that's episode. not enough for anything ever it's fuck you, you it is <laughs> I'm so mad that y'all don't didn't what say anything. The fuck add, what I like about add, this. I like noir. Nothing. I like crime. I love that shit. I love Donnie they Brasco. Added, there's, there's I make, nothing a, I make a Reservoir Dogs the- reference every two episodes, and this is essentially Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, that's I, another I thing. I hated this. This was fucking vomit. But they don't add anything to... They have license to add something, add to the genre instead of just paint by numbers on the tropes. I don't mind tropes as long as they add something I mean, they're doing cyberpunk tropes too as well with the... Only only like technically, watching them hunch around an ATM machine... Is not no, exactly that's, that's straight. There's, there's like the but they whole... have to because it's set like that's because how they, they decided get... to do it. I'm sorry, but they're still doing it. It's not. I agree that it's not bringing transcending the genre, but it's doing the genre very well. There's nothing fresh here, but it, it's there's no experimentation. I, I, I refuse. I refuse to first off. I refuse to admit that there that there's any sort of experimentation going on here. This is like their fifth time that they've wore the clothes of another genre. That they're doing, my, by experimentation, they're saying, hey, let's do another genre within this Star Trek episode. We can vary the tone of the Star Trek where it's not, 
space opera all the time. We're doing the one, just a crime novel on this planet we made up, Farious or whatever, and we're doing the Orion Syndicate stuff. But it's a mob story. I'm sorry it's a mob story. I did, sorry it pisses you off. It's a I'm shitty, not sorry it's it's a a mob, shitty story. mob story. It's, a, it's your standard noir mob story. You're right. I think that, but, you that, say potato. <laughs> I think that's the problem is that it's so it's but like but like it does that it finds ways to work with these characters and the tr- the character work with within these tropes they're noir tropes yeah but it's done well no I think. it's absolutely not and i'm gonna say why because the third act is complete bullshit there is zero nothing that he's doing leads up to any any resolution or tension or anything literally nothing happens at the end no that the point is that the guide makes the sacrifice and dies it's not mm-hmm. because off screen he, you, you, off screen with no danger to uh Colmini. it's very clear there's no danger to Colmini. right at that, no point after the vorta scene where the vorta picks him but then the other guy they shoot the other guy for whatever reason like does this count the, as an o'brien must suffer episode well, a little bit because yeah. he, he had to film it, I guess. I don't know. But like, it's not about whether O'Brien is in jeopardy at the end. It's about just whether. A, okay, put- so just because it's boring and familiar, just because it's Donnie Brasco in space, and just because it doesn't come to any satisfying c- conclusion whatsoever. I, well, this is where I disagree. I, with I can you. call the, it the, a bad episode. Act, <laughs> no, your 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 assertion is that it's bad because he's not in jeopardy at the end of it. With the point of the third act is that. He has to go out and he gives this guy a choice and the guy makes the choice. I mean, the danger is that he kills O'Brien, but the guy, because of the bond that they formed and the, their relationship, mm-hmm. and it's all about these relationships between men and these that basically growing to love one another. And then he, he when he realizes he's betrayed and he's in an impossible situation to where either he has two choices, he can either die or he can go to jail and his family dies. So he makes the choice to like sacrifice himself and not even kill O'Brien, which, which he should do, And he's, but he's grown to love O'Brien as well. So he's like, you know, I should kill you, but I can't do that. I've grown to care about you. Makes, so you know what? I'm going to going in, I'm going to face my death knowing what's coming for me. And he does. And then O'Brien has to cat to take care of. And then... O'Brien goes back to Bashir, and they've already set up with the one DS9 scene at the beginning that that Bashir is really worried about his friend. And so in the post-log or whatever, epilogue, he's talking to Bashir about what happened, and Bashir is like, well, you know, you did whatever. It's fine. Just get over it. And then he's like his best friend. He's like, you don't understand at all what the situation is. Then he has to come to terms with it and i think this i mean that is just it's what i've been talking about when these guys try to write out of specifically renee azhavaria which he sees he's on a bad streak right now in my opinion and like i just think that that's i don't know man my favorite thing about this episode is um you know, whenever you're playing a pirate in a in a stage play, and you get the foam uh, beard padded on mm-hmm. on your cheeks to make the stubble, I like how they gave O'Brien the pirate, <laughs> right. the middle school pirate stubble beard. Yeah. You know what I kept? Uh, th- you know what I kept thinking of with the with the main character, I, Bilby. Bilby, yeah, Nick Tate, the actor, is yeah. whenever he was doing those scenes, I would always think of uh, the movie that Macaulay Culkin is watching in Home Alone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Feeling, I did think of uh, that too. Yeah, angels yeah. with dirty faces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're dirty, filthy. Keep <laughs> the change, you dirty rat. Yeah, I yes. thought that a lot a few times. Yeah. It's that I thought that too. That didn't like. Oh, it's a shit episode because it made me. But yeah, it, it had uh, Michael Hanley from. I did have a dead one. All the Jinji Cohan shows. Mm, yeah. And it had Doctor Doom from the 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Oh yeah. Oh holy shit. Yeah, I did. A, I looked over. I, I was like, I recognize some of these people. I looked them up on IMDb mm. from the Corman Fantastic Four movie. Doctor Doom was Reyes or whatever the, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the mob boss was. You know what? You could have made this more interesting by making the Bilby character like non-binary completely yeah, like you do asexual something. person uh you could have made it more interesting by making dax the person that went undercover for some reason or another you could have made it more interesting like you could have added something to it I th- you didn't yeah, have I to mean, you didn't you did not have to like so, make okay, it so exactly i, I, I guess, agree like i, I don't i don't agree that stuff. dax going under i think o'brien i think the performances are very good in this oh uh, nick tate really yeah, the guy that played Bilby, I thought he's Ugh. especially that last scene that you you think is a shit scene because it doesn't they put him this, in jeopardy. That's completely this, different. That's a complete. So this yeah. is some. Uh, okay, so this is a little behind the scenes shit. This episode was written not with Nick Tate in mind to play that role. It's written because Iris Stephen Bear loved an actor named Charles Hallahan, who I know from being one of the 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 guy that looks like Wilfred Brimley but isn't Wilfred Brimley in the thing. There's like two actors that look very similar. It's Wilford Brimley and another actor. <laughs> that other guy um, was cast to be Bilby. And he looks, if you look at him, he looks exactly like what Colmini's dad would look like. Um. So right before they went to film, literally two days before filming started, Charles Callahan died. Yikes. Yes. Oh, so. man. I'm sorry for his family, but lucky him. He didn't <laughs> yeah. have to be in this dog shit episode. And Nick I don't Tate. know what I, why I thought that y'all were going to have to admit this was a good noir episode. I, I'm just mad at myself. That's partly why I'm so pissed off right now, because this is what I thought was good. Wait, this adds nothing. This is, adds nothing is to the... What was satisfactory about that ending? Huh? That ending, I swear, is not a bad ending. It's this so, is so pay- even if the Even if the ending makes sense and was like deeply satisfying fine what it's so paint by numbers it adds nothing to star trek lore or star trek it, it actually reduces the orion syndicate as no more interesting than your run-of-the-mill mm-hmm. mob organization by i think it bringing they're, the domi- they're not mysterious or all-powerful they're middle managers like every mob they're, they or, kick up they they get down it's just like organized crime and then bringing in the dominion comparison that you make all the time about the, the dominion an alien the, the, society an alien society of criminals is no more interesting than the human ones that we've been watching no, with, stories the, about the thing for t- you say every time when the about the dominion that they're basically a mob and this episode makes that same correlation yeah, and like they, by they call it out by name. Oh, they basically do. You're not that different. You and I, the Dominion. And oh yeah, that's crime. that's the most ironic shit about the whole thing is because that you know the Dominion guy comes up with the conclusion I had four seasons ago. I don't know. If that's not interesting. That's just describing. Like that's just making subtext text. You're not. That's not it wasn't. It's not as obvious to the world that that's what it is. Except except that we made that comparison. You did. 
personally, you specifically did. I know. That's why making subtext text is not interesting to me. (laughs) That's all that did. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, okay, so I'm, I think that, I'm afraid that you're going to walk away saying that I was really primed to hate this. I episode. didn't think you were because, because like, I, I was, I was that's why I'm pissed. After the cold open, I was kind of into it. I was like, okay, this is, I mean, I remember this being a premise. I remember a little bit about this episode because it was so weird to me. Because even at the time, I was like, why is O'Brien the one doing this? What, like, yeah. I, you know, there's all kinds of shit like that. But nonetheless, I, I gave over. I was no, there was no me questioning, uh, unfairly questioning premises or anything like that. It was literally just what I was watching was... At some point, you're like, okay, they're going to start ratcheting up the tension, you know, because you think at some point where he's got a transmission, a thing right before someone walks in the door, and then he's like, you know, then he's like got the thing or like any number of things. I, the, I'm on the ma- maniac episode where they're trying to steal the chinchilla or what the fuck ever, and that is so much more <laughs> thrilling and fucking like intense than anything oh that was God. in this episode. Maniac but, is uh, the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Everybody yeah, should. Yeah. I, everybody I, should watch Maniac. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's pretty great. I, I, I will go so far as to say, I like Maniac more than I like this episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so like I've watched, and this. that seamlessly blends multiple genres. Yes. Yeah. And they kind of nail the genres that they're landing in, which has been always been my critique: is these writers don't know how to write these genres. Are both of you guys done with with Maniac? No, 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 no. no. Okay, I'm, I'm only watching it I'm, on treadmills. So, like, I have a treadmill. It's my treadmill. You're doubling thing. it out, then, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I'm only so. watching it as often as I can convince a certain other person to watch it. Which oh, really? Is not as often as oh, I want. Oh, that's yeah. right. Well, we'll talk about it in 2022. Wait, did I did I spill something about them trying to steal a no, lemur? No, I'm further along than you. Are. Okay, good. Okay, I finished but, it. And yeah. I thought it really, it stuck the landing. To me, it stuck the landing more than I even anticipated. Yeah. So anyway, Maniac so, is great. So that, I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. And they know how to write it's your Something own. that didn't but stick the landing for you. Th- this is this. so, like, I don't know. I don't, like, at every scene, it, like, stripped away intrigue. Because it's so familiar. Oh, he's going to get overly attached to O'Brien, and O'Brien's going to have to stab him in the back, and O'Brien's going to feel bad. Yeah, and, and I mean it, it. That's Donnie Brasco. That plays the tropes. Yeah, it's it's like ninety five percent of noir film. You yeah, know, so it's fine. Or anything where there's an undercover. Anything where there's undercover. Yeah, that's yeah. it's it, it it. Or episode four of True Detective. Remember that? Where? No, yeah, I was <laughs> right. like, but that was like thrilling. Like if it ended, if it ended with an eight minute shot of them running through fucking orion world or whatever <laughs> like uh and then ended with grinder man's uh honeybee let's fly to mars i would have got a boner but it yes, well, but grinder man hadn't happened yet you gotta die uh, you sure you want to i'm gonna save you no i've gotta die to protect my family yeah. i should kill you yeah, but i'm yeah it's talky talky yeah. character stuff instead of shooty shoot pew pew action stuff but <laughs> that those are your two options wade yep I would have I would have rather this episode end with Bilby crawling through my TV and slit my throat. I think that's how I that's my <laughs> ideal way for this episode to end. Um I don't know how to respond to that. That's <laughs> No, that this was just, I just had to uh there's a certain kind of dread that comes when you're watching something like predictable and I think that every scene filled me filled me with that sort of dread. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not going to argue that it does a lot of unpredictable things. You got that. that I, I mean, I'll, I'll 
be the first to concur. But you know, I really I'm, do think that somebody at a formidable age saw this episode and never seen anything noir before, fell in love with this episode, and then like that's how they figured out they liked noir. It hit me. I mean, watching this episode, it like when the same exterior shot of the bar that they keep going to over and over again. It felt very, it felt very nineties. It felt very shadow run specifically because there's aliens. So it's not quite, it's, it's not quite neuromancer because it's weird alien monster. Are you talking about net runner or what are you talking about? Neuromancer. Or the, no neuromancer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but with the, they've got a, I can't remember any of the terms anyway, but they've got a they've got a Decker basically. Terminal imports and stuff. And right, yeah. right. Which they've had before with the Odo gets laid episode. She had that. Oh boy. See that another was, another one of the noir greatest hits. Right. That that's what I'm when I say this is noir done the best. It's when they're is compared to like that episode and stuff. Like I mean, necessary evil. I'll give you a pass. That one's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but because it, yeah. It's Actually, I I put this on the same. Places. This is almost as bad as the Odo gets laid episode. Yeah, see, for me, the character, the the acting was better, the character more work, and the three lines of the characters kind of worked a lot better. I mean, there was a cat in this, I guess. It bums me out seeing a cat from 20 years ago, because I'm watching this, and I know that cat's dead now. <laughs> Chester, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they've got all these trout face mask replica aliens and, and fairians with extra shit on their forehead, which is... Kind of, and then the turkey waddle. We get another turkey waddle alien. Oh yeah, I was, I was waiting for well, I, where I thought like, I mean, I, I, I almost was. It was almost that's why it was such a like a disappointment to it is that in my mind I thought the at the plot that they were going to was pretty obvious, and they did something more simple and boringer than that. <laughs> I thought it was going to be that the guy realized that. At some point, realizes that Comini is is a, I know is, what you're saying is a dude, right? And that he has to hide him to protect his own life. Uh-huh. And so there is this sort of ultimately he brought a like a rat into the thing, and he's got to get him out. He's got to lie his way out of the syndicate, and I, I thought that it would be something like that, but it was even more boring than that. And then there was all these pe- you know, there's all these times where the people are walking in and you think that he, they're going to know him. Even the point with Turkey Waddle is that Turkey Waddle knows O'Brien, right? No, that's a different Turkey Waddle. Yeah, it's, that's the point. It's fucking someone different. It was just like no point in it being anything different. And well, then it, I don't, and I then, don't know. and then you have the Vorta, who's the same Vorta from last week, who's a part of the little right, ship but, episode. So he's probably right. briefed on Deep Space Nine because they they he led an attack against the Defiant. So I thought it maybe could be he, clones. It could be thirty of those guys. Yeah, around. that's true. That's true. Too. O'Brien does give a little like gulp when he sees the guys like that guy. Yeah. Like, I recognize and, him. I hope. And so I thought they were going to do that. Was going to be some sort of record. I no, there was no fear. There was no fear of any. He was never in danger of anything. Nobody was on his ship. I I I I did. I kept thinking because it's like in my poor memory of this episode from my first watch is like, wait a minute, the Michael Hanley character, his uh, the guy that works for Starfleet Intelligence. Wait a minute, that guy's definitely he's the mole, isn't he? And I. I did actually expect when I was watching this episode from me misremembering how it worked. I was like, oh, I remember how this works. Turns out that the guy that his contact in Starfleet Intelligence is actually the mole. And then O'Brien's going to have to get, he's going to 
have to find some w- clever way to extricate himself because the guy's going to have it in for him. Oh and man, I tell you what, that that what you you're know describing what? that, that would have been better. You're right. Mm-hmm. That because that that is more interesting than what happened. Uh, that granted. that what you're describing was totally was could have been a rough draft though. Like I could see how that they kept that infrastructure there story wise. Right. Because oh, they yeah, even right. they put cues into like kind of like yes to like they they say oh Ramus the the informant we have in Starfleet gave us a list of every undercover Starfleet that we have. And that's kind of a red herring. It didn't go anywhere. Like, I thought either that was going to come out and eventually O'Brien's going to get outed or... Well, I think that, the, that was supposed contact. to ratchet up the tension. It but was, the fact that yeah. It, it, it was made there. It's the classic noir, you know, dropping these hints, and that one was just a red herring that didn't go anywhere, which is a little... Yeah. It could have... Maybe it maybe it should have. Wait, I'm sorry. I really wish I liked this episode. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I, I I thought I was enjoying this episode until about like halfway through, and I was like, what? Whoa, wait, wait. They're letting more intriguing things go by. Where's this going? And then it became about like buying suits and trying to get him like, tell me about your girlfriend. Oh, you? Where'd you get meet her? Oh, what street? Oh, when did she start working there? I was like, oh my God, get this fucking plot over with. <laughs> right. Well, it's because it's all about building the character stuff that Bilby is a family man and he's like, oh, and he, like, I like the, like, buying a, a hooker for O'Brien. And then O'Brien's like, oh, I've got a Watching, girlfriend. Yeah, she's, in Can- she's, she's in Canada. She's you don't know Canadian her. Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, what? You don't like women? And like the kind of homoerotic undertones I liked, but in their relationship, because O'Brien's full of that shit. That's like it's almost a commentary on this whole episode was all about those kind of love amongst men, like that they do with O'Brien and Bashir all the time, and then he's got a new friend and Bilby. Yeah, the only guy with a fucking wife at home has to be like used as like your fucking man love like bromance like, conduit to everything. <laughs> but, sure, sure. Yeah, no, I I I mean you're right, but it was I mean that's Donnie Brasco. When did Donnie Brasco come out? Like before this, by like two years. Yeah, I don't know. 1996. Okay. But I mean, that's like, it's not like Donnie Brasco has the uh, monopoly on undercover guy gets into deep stories. That's, there was a trope before Donnie Brasco came out. Well, uh, yeah, but like it did better than Rush. But, or yeah, I was going to say, we get to see, we get to see, we get to see uh, the greatest <laughs> actor of his generation, Al Pacino, play the Bilby character. So yeah. Yeah. we sure. go from Al Pacino to Bilby. It's kind of a far drop. I guess I'm just saying that if this <laughs> if this writer's room was working, the idea that a, a, a year ago there was a hit movie exactly like this episode should be a fucking no go. <laughs> like that's a reason to throw it I away. Know. I mean, I I all I will also go with you that it would have been better if Al Pacino were the Bill. <laughs> I'm saying that me. it would be better if you don't hasten the the comparison. I don't know. I mean, I I really liked Far Beyond the Stars, and one of the things that allowed me to love it with the full breadth of my heart is that I didn't watch a better version of it a year before that episode came out. I don't like your. I mean, the Donnie Brasco comparison is apt. You're not wrong, but it's not like 
like I said, it's not like that has a monopoly on the trope. And when it did, I, I didn't think Donnie Brasco when I saw this. Here's the thing. When you say it I mean, doesn't have the monopoly on the trope, yes, anybody is able to use these tropes. That's fine. But you have to bring something to the table. You can't just you have to do you have to give us something. Yeah, and something new. For me, yeah, it, it was the character. I, I, I feel work like you're giving rhyme. it a prize for conforming to the trope. That's I'm sorry, but when you do noir, there's no, like, you don't. There, I watch there, noir there movies is. every year that are fucking like jaw droppingly interesting. I'm not even asking for it to be jaw droppingly. Like my bar is even lower than James's. My bar is if you're going to have it take place in the Star Trek world, you can make it extra interesting. <laughs> that's unique to this world and. Instead, they don't. Merely having cyberpunk crimes is not exactly ratcheting up the. No, I mean it's just. And they're, yeah, it's like it's, it's what they're doing is just like like what if what they were doing is like I don't know like infinitely complicated and involved a bunch of like Xeno shit like alien race stuff. Yeah, but they're just basically running guns and robbing banks. Like it, yeah, the, I mean you're right. There's they could have there's I mean there's always oh they could have done this. Well yeah they could have. You're right. I also like this as basic as it was. I mean it again it didn't. It didn't shatter what is possible in storytelling, but it did do something that Star Trek doesn't usually do, which is this very basic noir set on a in a totally different setting than our regular Deep Space Nine. And again, going back to, I'm sure that they were getting um, sweat from above to do more episodic one-off episodes and this is this is definitely that because this is like out of nowhere like the criticism like why the fuck did they pull o'brien out to do this and they didn't give him a choice they just put him here and it's like kind of out of nowhere that's also a fair complaint to make as far as like what the fuck's going on someone explained is because they needed their their angle to get into him was going to be a tinkerer Right, because that was like a need that they had. So I mean, it made some sense. So and I mean, they ne- they had to get somebody that wasn't in intelligence mm, to have yeah. some deniability, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's there. But I mean, even when it started, it's like, oh, it's that Nora episode. Oh, this is Julian's definitely going to come into play because we're doing with intelligence shit. It's like, oh no, nope, that's nope. He doesn't come into play at all, mm. except to be worried about his friend and go in to ask Cisco about it. And Cisco says, like, I wish I could tell you, but shut the fuck up. Don't be a wuss. You didn't come in here to complain. You came here because you were worried about your friend and you want me to set your mind at ease. I wish I could. Actually, the whole station's falling apart. And I know you're too smart to come in here to just complain about the stuff like everybody else. I know you're in game here, Bashir. You just you're just worried about your friend. Is that literally the only scene on Deep Space Nine? Yeah, basically. There's the one before. Yeah, the one before. Everything's breaking down. No, that's what. No, I meant. I meant. I meant that scene. Yeah, there's on. There's. I know there's the capper at the end, but that's like two seconds of like whatever. So, but I mean, like that's that's the only time we go back to him. That really was a contractually obligated scene. (laughs) Yeah, but also I think it plays well, but in the theme because this is an episode about the themes of the characters and it's setting up that Julian is worried about his friend and that this, and this episode ultimately is a uh, episode about relationships between men. And then they set up Julian as worried about his best friend. And then O'Brien makes a new best friend. And then at the end of it, 
he's trying to commiserate with his best friend back home about it. And he's like, Julian, you don't even get it. Like, and so thematically the, all the character stuff worked for me and that deep space nine, the one scene contractually obligated. Yes. Scene worked thematically for, for the episode because of that. But for me personally, but I mean, I would, I would, yeah. I mean, I think results vary and with, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, just, I, I, I saw every scene between those two is like, <sighs> am I, Cole Meany is a, like, I don't want to accuse him of not trying. <laughs> I thought he was working, I, doing, I just doing think, the yeoman's work here. But he wasn't trying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hard. I don't think O'Brien, I think the beauty of Cole Meany is that he never looks like he's trying too hard. That's what I'm trying <laughs> I think to that's like. That's his genius. I mean, he's got a he's got a very laconic presence. So I, uh, you know, I want to I want to give him credit for that because sometimes I think that's a salve in some of the more overheated scenes. He he tempers yeah. Julian in that way. Yeah, but I, and he does temper him really well in the sense that I want to watch Cole Meany act and I don't want to watch Bashir <laughs> act. <laughs> So that's a really nice balance. But so then you have these two lower key actors, one of which is, I mean, I mean, you you wanted to call uh, Ciroc Lofted performative and like tropey, like hey you galoot, come over here, what, you know, like that shit was like pretty tropey. That was tropey. I had to basically watch those two guys have the kind of conversation you have while in a waiting room. See the the, For di- an hour. the difference between his performance and Ciroc is that it came effort. It was Ciroc. You could I would, see, did not come effortlessly to this guy. You, I don't know, man. It came. He's he's a character actor that plays these kind of roles. Uh I think I think we're kind of we're kind of split. This is all a matter of opinion and yeah, people's but, acting. But I thought Bilby was particularly low rant. Ciroc looked like a community theater actor putting on an accent for me. So did but, that guy. Maybe. More so. Did you think I brought you here to kill you? But one of the things that I am pretty familiar with is, is, is crime. Probably, I mean, is that my... I, 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 read a, I read quite a bit of crime. I, you know, I watch tons of crime television. Like, these things generally make the life look intoxicating and fun. That's why you would want to be a gangster. This, this did not, yeah. I don't know, like, that looks like the worst work environment Ever. Uh, every time in my life I wanted to be a gangster and be in the Orion Syndicate where you could walk around and talk mean to everybody and not have any fucking fun and sit in empty bars. See, for, for me... Like fucking it, hobos. The Bilby in you this... You get shitty apartments. Bilby is not like, a guy that's doing this because he's for the glamorous lifestyle. That's the whole point. Do that, you like, know who I am? Bilby is a guy from low means, probably, who's trying to make... Try to trying to support his family the way he knows how, and he's falling into their. Bilby comes from the Spiegel catalog uh, <laughs> fortune. Don't don't don't. He's a, he's a working class mook, and he's just trying to. And then he's uh, he's he's like an O'Brien, just doing his duty, trying to and do the right thing by his family, and sending all his money that way. He's he's like a cab driver. This is in the New first York. person we've seen as a part of the Orion Syndicate, this famous criminal organization. 
Do you think Future would write a song about Bilby the way he wrote about Tony Montana? Or something I don't think like- the the point is that it's not glamorous. That's the whole point of this episode. Is like, that guys- really what we wanted when we finally got to see the operation of the Orion Syndicate? That's what I'm saying. The Orion Syndicate is a completely boring criminal organization. It's not. There's no. There's no interesting or alien aspects to them at all. Well, like for me, I took. I didn't think that this was showing the whole going into it i just assumed because i know the what the orions are are green-skinned aliens so this is like low tier like bottom of the barrel orion stuff on farius which is a backwater shit planet but wait a minute orion syndicate is oh the orion people are green slaves right but there's also the orion system so I thought this was a syndicate of people. I thought the Orion Syndicate was people like a criminal organization that operated within the Orion system, not Pro- Orion I d- slave I don't, girls. Maybe, I just figured that the high ups at the top of the Orion Syndicate are all green skinned people. So that's and your head cannon. In my head cannon, I just ass- I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just assumed that they were a criminal organization that operated outside the Orion system. Oh yeah, because maybe. it's a system. I just I mean yeah maybe my I was I just assumed that. They had to dictate they couldn't use the green-skinned alien, so this because is because I like, thought they did a pretty good job in this episode of of saying here's the here's where these guys are. There's guys below us, there's guys above us, and we kick up and they kick up to me. Like that's a pretty it was pretty right. paint by numbers, you know, criminal organization. Organizational yeah. chart, right, there. right. Like, and then there's at, nothing interesting about. But by the that. end, at the end of it, at the end of it, when O'Brien breaks in, comes in, and gives Bilby the warning, Bilby is like, "Oh shit, man, I'm not even enough to get any notice. Like they don't give a shit about me because he's not high in the organization. I suppose I'm not important enough. R- Ramus is the highest guy in the organization here. He's He's the main man. I think you're, we're arguing past each other. You're arguing logic. I'm arguing that it does not show that world as fun or an yeah, more intoxicating. My point, my, I'm arguing that it doesn't. It's never trying to. But I that's want our, that, it to be fun. <laughs> I'm sorry that it's not. But that's not why. I. That's not that because it's yes, shows. Okay, that's are not you why about we, to say be, because it's not fun? It doesn't no, no, mean it's not good. No, I, no. I'm. Let me finish my fucking. <laughs> I'm okay. saying. The fact that it shows the low life tier of the Orion Syndicate as a fucking slog and a and and not fun does not make it a bad episode for me because I was counting so hard on it being fun. It's showing me that it's not, and I'm okay with that. And in my head canon, I just figured that there's a higher rungs of the Orion Syndicate that we're not getting in this episode because everybody here that we're dealing with is low tier except ramus is the most i guess he's like the the headed on farius which is doesn't seem to he's be the right. head of the orion syndicate i thought not no no just on farius no he's, he's the not, one that flipped the starfleet guy he flipped the guy but it doesn't mean he's the leader of the he's not the darth maul of the orion oh, syndicate. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah so it, then it's really not interesting i don't know yeah i never thought that he was like the head of the orion syndicate i thought he was the head in this region maybe but because he's the guy that's talking to, to the dominion so i mean it's yeah it, it's your class it's a pyramid scheme and he's the highest in this region i guess but he's not the- <laughs> Hey, we're gonna we're gonna pull you off of this uh, aircraft carrier. Well, you're well, you're the head engineer of the aircraft carrier, and we're gonna we're gonna send you into northern St. Louis, and you're gonna infiltrate a a group of heroin dealers. There's twelve guys. 
Yeah. The oldest one's 14. Like <laughs> it is there. And that there's, I mean, that's another fair complaint. Like they're like, Oh, this big deal that they're stealing. And it's like, it's just three disruptor rifles. Three Klingon disruptors can't be that hard to come by, but apparently they are. Yeah. But I mean, then you learn later that the reason for them is that they can fake an assassination of a, of a Klingon ambassador and make it frame it on Galron. And that will take the Klingons out of the, the Alliance with the Federation. And then the Dominion can focus solely on the Federation and without the Klingon Alliance. So, I was also worried that they're like, I, I appreciated that they found some way to tie this into the greater Dominion War story because, yeah, maybe for the first half of this episode, I was like, this is a total one off. It would be better if the, we could actually have this tie into the overarching plot. You did feel like it ratcheted up the stakes where it should have ratcheted up the stakes. But yeah, it needed, it did need something and wait, it could have used. To a point. Yeah. To a point, but that's the thing. Then it then it ejected the stakes, the, yes. the larger stakes for the Bilby O'Brien relationship. It didn't eject him for it. Okay. Me. No. Yes, because what you end up saying is when he when when the guy who did not fuck Hostetler's horse in Deadwood turns to Colmini and says, "You're done. We're pulling you out," and Colmini punches him. Yeah. <laughs> You're setting him up to die. And I go, "Ooh, Colmini fucked up." Oh, shit's going to go down. And then he runs in and he tells the guy, hey, listen, uh, Mr. White, I'm a cop. And he says that. And then the guy. (laughs) I'm a cop. And then nothing happens. There's no repercussions. Then you get a good character scene. That's how I felt about it. But I guess opinions vary. (laughs) And I felt like he was constantly like, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was an atrocious scene on the page. I thought the actor was atrocious in it. I disagree. It was so well, that's an interesting uh, Rashomon. It was atrocious. So I thought that <laughs> Rene Echevarria directed, the, or not Rene Echevarria, he wrote it. But I thought that Rene Auberginois directed this episode because on Memory Alpha it is quite a bit of Rene, uh, Rene Aubert. No, 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 never mind. I misread that. I got my Renees confused. <laughs> I thought Rene Auberginois was shitting on this episode, but Rene Echevarria is shitting on this episode. Oh, yeah. What's he say? Uh, I'm not sure that we found a level with this that truly made it an O'Brien show or even a Deep Space Nine show. The story's a little familiar. Every television detective series has done a story with a crime fighter (laughs) going undercover, getting involved, and coming to respect the code of the bad guy. So it wasn't a resounding success for me. But (laughs) O'Brien is our everyman, and if O'Brien can find himself sympathizing with a gangster thug killer, then anyone should be able to. (laughs) All right. Fair. I I, I do find it humorous that he's got the same complaint y'all do. Can't can't argue with that. <laughs> that it, <laughs> but and and I, I, I mean you add, could and I, and I would add he butchered <laughs> the, the last act too. And yeah, see, I I don't agree about the last act. I like the last act a lot. I mean, but, I don't really remember the last act because I was just praying for death. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my that's where I land on the last act. And I don't know. I think. Um, the guy who doesn't fuck the horse in Deadwood or the um, <laughs> P.I. from Weeds or he's also on yeah, Orange is the New Black. Somewhere. Yeah, he's the he's warden a- or one, not the warden, but the, <laughs> the head guard. I or think for the sake of our show, we call him the guy who doesn't fuck the horse on Deadwood. <laughs> the guy who did doesn't not fuck, fuck Hobbs Settler's horse. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even I though he wrote I, a sign that said, I fucked. Right. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Does yeah. he come back? 
later yeah. on. Wait, no. Well, yeah, because this, yeah, because he took over the livery. Like, yeah, he plays a part of the no, politics. No, on Deep Spy, not on Deep Space Nine, not on Deadwood. Oh. Oh, oh no! Oh no! I'm sorry. Yeah. I was wanting to talk about. I thought, like, are you giving me a license to talk about Deadwood for fifteen minutes? Because <laughs> I will do that. No. Uh. Yeah. So I don't know. Does, I, don't I don't know, know. either. He Is might. He, he might not. From, from punching him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't. Because there's there's more Orion episodes later. Isn't yeah. This there? Se- this episode has a, a sequel we didn't ask for in the seventh season. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh, Christ Almighty! <laughs> Bill B- Bilby's daughter. Oh shit! Is it really? Yeah. I hope they got. You're the making sa- this up, right? I'm fucking not, James. I really hope they get the same actor that posed for the photographs. <laughs> Some like kind of chubby redhead, like twelve year old. Wait, yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, this gets a sequel no one ever asked for. Let me let me well, find it. Either title. either they get the same actress, the same chubby twelve year old redhead, uh, or they get a get an actress that played Zial out of the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Prodigal Daughter. <laughs> Esri returns to her home to ask her family's help in finding O'Brien, who disappeared while searching for the widow of a dead friend. Oh right. And I think the cat, he keeps the cat. Woof. The, the cat's his, uh, Cisco's baseball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the, uh, it's one of, it looks like it's an, uh, an Esri Bashir episode. Oh, I don't know. So, don't know. so don't, we'll love that. I don't, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Remember, I don't, uh, like, literally, yeah, I have what, no memories of Esri whatsoever. Right. Um, I, I I remember I, she keeps I, trying to fuck War for like five episodes, and he's just not into it. That's all I remember. Yeah, about Esri. I have fond memories, I think, but I don't remember. We'll get to that when we get to uh-huh. it. Yeah. Ah, um, uh, who's Esri? No. <laughs> <laughs> who, who that? <laughs> she was no. introduced at the end of this episode. Don't you remember? Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we do get a sideways reference uh, to uh, my my personal favorite DS9 episode, where they refer to the weather systems and someone operating the weather systems oh, on Ryza yes. last summer. Which, I know. Yeah, I had which, the same thing. Which puts it concurrently with my favorite episode. So... <laughs> One of those guys, the whoever whoever was being thwarted by the religious uprising, like roundheads or whatever the fuck that was. Right, right. The footloose guy. Yeah, yeah he got a uh, he, he. That guy became then became a, was around that time was being turned by the Orion Syndicate. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wrote down so many like notes from that last scene because I liked it so much. But oh well. <laughs> I I will I'll I'll save I'll save it. No uh, no 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 we got uh, I I don't know what what what, what, nah, it, don't. what you don't want to. I just wrote down quotes that I tend to help me remember the scene. You know mm. the you know the leave me alone. I die. It it felt very Breakback Mountain to me a little bit. I wish I could quit you. Why'd you have to come here? Why'd you have to tell me that? Why well, couldn't just let you go? I die before I know. Oh, yeah. I didn't get any you, gay you were too good at to, all. I just was. They were too bored to be gay. I mean, it wasn't. You know, were, it wasn't. It wasn't overtly gay. That's reading in like extra chemistry. <laughs> it was. You know, it's just the love amongst men doesn't have to be romantic, uh, sexual. But you know, he says stuff like, uh, I, "You were too good to be true," but I didn't see it. 
How did I let this happen? I should have known. You were too good to be true. Okay, yeah, no, and okay, so old. Well, I wasn't after you, but I grew to but I grew to love you, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's all fucking weird. And and not because of I, any gates of Texas. Weird because like okay, so all of their conversations are like the typical <laughs> like scary conversation about what did you learn how to do this? Where'd you get these coils? Why aren't you telling us where you got the coils? And then other stuff was like clearly tell us about like the fucking coils. Foolish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about and then but the other stuff was like just the things that are written to be like fucking sad like oh look at this guy looking out for me i love this guy already you're my favorite you're the only one i can trust you need to see my <laughs> family at home like it's so he's the only one to like, give it to both are so cliche there was no like there. if like they just stopped and talked about really cool shit what's the matter don't you like my wife's cake it would make sense if Bilby was incredibly lonely and, and that was like coming through. Maybe if he was like he is. If it, he was like Nathan for you, always like, <laughs> like type lonely, and that would explain his quick attachment. I mean, there's, to, there's little lines in I've there. I've got a vintage PlayStation Two from the 20th century, 21st there's, century. There's little lines in there that, that do exactly that, where he's like, "These guys could just keep telling me what I want." I like that. You, I mean, well, sure, just, that, sure, they're tropes. They're not. You know, their stuff. That just talks about how good they are at their jobs. It doesn't mean. But like, it, there's or, a, like no how, point you know, where they them. talk about how much they like Steve McQueen movies, or like they, or they, they, they like go to the, fast ships, or like there's there's no camaraderie. They go to the horse races, and he's like, ah, I want some money. Me and me and Bill. Sorry, I'm oh, Did we have that having scene? a good time? With, did we have that? Scene? Yes. They he has a scene that they talk about it. No, where he's like, oh, yeah, oh. he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late for the wrong. <laughs> right. That's my. Those he are my favorite scenes. I'm sorry that go. this is a low budget show in the '90s and they can't. We had so much character building in that scene when we were just <laughs> I'm sorry uh, just outside they... this door. We really bonded, guys. Well, fuck you, man. They got three sets they could pay fifty bucks for. <laughs> Write the fucking scene on the set. Like... They they did their work on the scenes with the fucking sets they had. Disagree, man. Like, at no point did they ever bond. Disagree. And so it was like, are you fucking dumb? Like, the whole time they I'm like... They bond, they're talking about family. They're talking... Yeah, they bond. There's scenes for that. No, he talks about family. There's no bonding. There, there's an invisible bond, because O'Brien can never be himself, but all this talk about family secretly resonates with O'Brien. And we can yeah. tell... That all of that because we just know O'Brien and we could tell his secretly resonating face <laughs> is on. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, and then at the end, Bill B's like, hey, man, like, all that shit you told me was a lie. But when you go back, you got a family, right? And and O'Brien's like, yeah, I do. And he's like, good. It's all there. I guess point You're is, telling me is this stuff isn't in the scene, and it was. If we're going to follow these tropes, if we're going to follow these tropes. Okay, but here's what you keep, like, I think this is where, like, like where we fight on this stuff is that like them doing something or doing development is not like filling out like a line on an application to like tell a noir story. Well, I don't know what to tell. I, yeah, I didn't feel it. Like, I, I mean, and I know that this is subjective, but they don't push, they don't put, they don't write it to push to feel it. You got a family. Like, I don't know. Like, There's a craft to writing and the way the story is structured that works. And the character work, the acting is good for me. I, I mean, y'all think that Ciroc was great in that Far Beyond the Star. So there's no accounting for taste about what, whether an actor's doing a good work or not. Well, now, 
Sorak, I think what we made it clear with Sorak, there's the difference between his normal character is Jake and that character that he developed in Far Beyond Stars. Right. My, it doesn't like, matter. And, my point is that oh, okay. it's subjective well. whether it's good or not because I dis- I agree that it's different than his regular character. I don't. I never disagreed with you on that. I just disagreed that whether it was a good performance or not. Same way that we seem to be disagreeing about whether the Bilby scene was any good or not based on the performances. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but my main indictment is over the writing. I mean, I don't think the actor was particularly great, but I don't think he had much to do. I mean, obviously he didn't have time yeah. to prepare. And, and so I agree that, that it's... That, I mean, so he was in a bad situation there and the script it's was... It's not like I never agree. Again, I'm not saying it's transcendent writing, but I'm saying it's not bad writing. Mm. It's fine TV writing for the time. It's not NYPD Blue or David Milch. I will grant that. But, I mean, it's... It's as good or better than it's better than like most CW shows that I see now that I watch that aren't the greatest. What things. did his, what did Bilby's family mean to him? What did Bilby's family mean to him? They meant everything to him. He, he what he loved it. Give me give me specific instances. I'm gonna take care of you. I don't forget my friends. His friends, they're like family. Nothing's more important. Everything he does is for his family. Nothing. What does that mean? It means that he sends all his money. Why? He takes he any money he gets. It's not he's not in the game because it's glamorous. That's the thing that he does. Tell me about his character. Why does he love his family? Because his family's great. I yeah, no, it, it, it does. No, no it doesn't. It, like you can look. The fact that he loves his family. So comes, find it. So so a character saying I love my family is literally enough no, character development. No, it's not. He's just saying he loves his family. He does things. His actions in the plot show that he but loves his family. That, I'm, I'm sorry that he doesn't have scenes with his family. That's just not in it. That's you know. But he's the actions of the character demonstrate the love for his family, and that's in the writing. What okay? Hugh loves his family. He loves his wife, and he loves his three kids. Okay, you're gonna give me. I love me, my wife, and I love my two kids. We love them in different ways. They mean different things to us. And when I when I talk about my family, and he talks about his family, we can bond over what they mean to us. It, again, that because that never happened. I like my family. You're, you're, what you're, every time you try to give me examples, like you're saying, it's always an exclusionary because he didn't do this. Anything else that they did is not there. But my point is, it doesn't dig deep. There's no depth I, to my, this. My point. There's no subtlety. Is again, I said it's not the most groundbreaking, perceptive, like finest writing in the world. But it does its job. That's and that's all I'm asking of it. But it's again, it's not transcendent writing. That's it's not pushing the boundaries of what this writing is capable of. I I will grant you that. But it's doing its job. Well enough for me to enjoy it. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, it was and just, it's, I, I, and I don't know. It, like, it yeah, was, and, and I got off kind of testing. This may be the worst, this may be the worst episode Renee Ambershavari has written for me on a page. And like there's other episodes have much other issues, uh, other issues at play, like boring fucking directing, boring, just dumb dictates from Iris Stephen Bear or whatever. But this was like, just like, any, I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I, I have trouble believing that that script couldn't have been better. I, again, I never. Even keeping the My point plot. is never, go back and listen to this podcast. My point has never been that it's as good as it could have been. I mean, I mean, I, it, we got I mean, off the bat. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> do you guys think of, we're at a point where we can talk about? Uh, talk about rewatch a meter and stuff, or do you have any any other? Anybody have any other feelings? <laughs> I think we all know where we stand on this episode. Yeah, I mean, again. 
we we got started off hot. So this is the first this is the first shock episode we've had right. in a while because where we were that shocked by yeah, how much how much we disagreed on it. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. Are we doing rewatch meter? Is that what? Yeah, we're doing? I mean. What, I'm gonna. All right, I'll lead off. This is a zero for me. I will probably never watch this episode again. <laughs> right. I mean, I was gonna. If I can guess the rewatch meter for both of y'all, I'm pretty sure I can. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It gets two points for having a Deadwood actor. It's so. <laughs> ah, a two for you. It might be. I mean, it gets two points. I I might one day do a Deadwood actor rewatch. Um, That'd be kind of fun. Like a. See, here's my idea. I've always thought that. You should be able to make playlists on Netflix and name them where you can add. Oh, so, yeah. So people could binge watch. Like if you just wanted to make a Deadwood Actors and random TV shows that have it. And then you could just, you know, just like a tag any it. streaming music service, you can add to a playlist. Mm-hmm. But I think that play, playlists, Netflix execs, if you're listening, yeah, add playlists to Netflix. Don't be don't be dumb. Yeah. Oh, then we could we could have our white album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No yeah. shit. Yeah. We'd be able to share that with everybody. Yeah. Come on, Netflix. Get mm-hmm. your head out of your ass. <laughs> this is obviously a good idea. <laughs> I do agree. All right. So um I'm gonna spot it two points and that may be it. I did I didn't hate it. I didn't I put you down for a two. Yeah. Wade? Uh I'll put it in an eight. Cause I liked it. All right. Hey, <laughs> Wade. Know. And it's like doing hey, it's a good noir episode. <sighs> I think. <laughs> All right. I mean, you put statistical probability at a seven, so I guess. Which one was that? I, exactly. It can't be that high on your rewatching meter if you can't remember. I, I don't remember it. <laughs> you got me too. I don't remember statistical probability. <laughs> oh, that was the cuckoo's nest one. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The names are awful. They never help out. With <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, the weird, the, the shock for this is that I remembered liking this episode when I first watched it. Yeah. And were you recovering from a brain injury? <laughs> I, th- I I was watching it while doing other things. Uh, probably. Uh, what do you guys think the people of IMDb think of this episode? Uh. uh <laughs> I think I think some like it fine, and then some dock it for being not DS nine. I don't think anybody. Love loves it enough to bump it that high, and it might get docked for being different. I'm gonna say a seven point four. I'm gonna go seven point two. It's a seven point four. <laughs> oh, I think shit. this is is this two weeks in a row that it it is. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, is he's it in a seven point four? He's feeling it. No, it's a seven point three. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, split the difference. Oh, Recheck my notes. Yes, it's a seven point three. We had it surrounded though. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's in some danger because we have it surrounded. It's danger, unlike O'Brien didn't experience at any point in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All <I> right, mean, <laughs> it was hinted at. Well, we should. Uh, what do we got next week? At the end of it, at the end of it, O'Brien goes, "We were all worried death, uh, death about you making it out okay." And he goes, "Well, that makes one of us." <laughs> it turns out it was a cakewalk. No, all right. Well, are we talking about next week? Next week we have a. Uh, a wharf one of the rare wharf dax episodes where they work through their shit we also get a b plot where o'brien enlists bashir to help defeat quark in a game of tongo oh it's written by ronald d moore though so maybe <laughs> that doesn't immediately sound awful to me but could go either way i'm going in with an open heart with a with heart with arms with wide arms open, wide open. Uh, and other creed uh-huh. songs yeah no so 
Yeah, so okay. I'm sorry. The basic story for the next one I just read was based on the Green Berets with John Wayne and Ray Kellogg. Of course, it was. <sighs> this shit is old, man. Anyway, okay, keep going. All right, Wade. Well, if people want to find us on the internet, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, all right, so. Let us know what you think about this episode. If if it was as awful as James and Hugh think it was, if it was not as great as Wade think as Wade, I I speak in the third person now. Wade does. If you uh, think it was as good or as bad or somewhere in between or whatever you want to talk to us about, give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight or shoot us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, and. Check out all the other podcasts on kickersofelves.com and whatnot that we do, such as the Hashish and Superiority Book Club, where we're going through Alan Moore's Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. It's a big, good book. Yes, and it's, it's been a, a, lot of, a lot of fun. You should join us over there and do a lot of reading. Yeah. It's, we disagree less yeah, we, over there. It's mostly, yeah, these, these big telling each other to go fuck each themselves and or sorry that was me I, i'm sorry guys i didn't i i got a little <laughs> out of hand anyways <laughs> we you don't get that on hashies and superiority uh most of it's just as talking about how much we're enjoying that book over there so check that out if we could have a great reveal at the end where we we start hating the uh, some of us start hating the ending yeah you know you know what be i'm not for... kidding though i i'm you know we're we're not exactly in the third uh last third of the book we could that could happen yeah good anything could happen we're read along with this because we haven't finished the book yet uh yeah Mm -hmm. and if you want to support all of the shows that we do and also hear other stuff of us maybe not yelling at each other some of us yelling each other for some things i'm looking at you doing check out the kickers of elves patreon at patreon.com slash kickers of elves where we'll be doing more Alan Moore content, such as uh, Watchmen, even Zack Snyder's Watchmen. You can listen to James and Hugh watch it. Yes, Uh, we're we're pretty hard on it, too. (laughs) Yeah. For a lot of the same reasons as this episode. I don't know. I wasn't there, so you won't hear me yelling at James about it. No, our main complaint is that they rush to the scenes too fast in The Watchmen. I wish that was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But yeah, do all that stuff. Do all the stuff every other podcast wants you to do. But like, really do it. Do it for for me. (laughs) Do it for, yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Do that, please. Uh, The end. I think I've said enough. Yeah. All right. We're we're only three DS9 episodes away from the the William Sadler episode, which I think is going to... Is a potential ticking time bomb of thoughts. Oh yes. Uh, Hughes Telegraph in season one, uh, and then and then the episode after that is a pale moonlight. So we 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 got a little bit of a bridge, uh, but we're getting to some some hot button issues soon. Yes. Yeah. All so, right. So keep something to look yeah. forward to. Well. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you join us next week as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? 
please review us on iTunes. I say it all the damn time, but not everyone listens. Except you. You're cool.